0: Well, good morning, Momentum, and welcome back to another week of the Bible no one told you about. Now, before we get started today, there's something I want to remind you of, something that we're mentioning each and every single week. Our plan this year is not to reopen Momentum. Our plan this year is to relaunch Momentum back into Chula Vista. Now, why are we doing this? we got a couple reasons. We're going to put them up here on the screen for you, okay? One, there is a unique gospel opportunity in this moment. As many of you guys know, as we're coming out of COVID, we're seeing so many people who are having real problems, real issues, real things that they're dealing with as they come out of the pandemic. We have a huge gospel opportunity to connect to our community with the hope of Jesus. Number 2, we want to reintroduce and refresh. There's a lot of people who've moved into our city over the last year that have no idea who we are. There's a lot of things that we want to do better than we've ever done it before, so we want to reintroduce ourselves and we want to come we want to refresh ourselves. Third, deeper faith, tighter bond. As we launch ourselves back out into our community and as we work together and as we help each other and support each other, as we reach our community, we're going to experience a tighter, a deeper bond and a, tight, a tighter faith and a deeper bond. Why? Because anytime people work together to do things, you just grow closer together. If you've ever been on a sports team, you know this. If you've ever worked on a project together, you know this. When people work together towards a common goal, it creates a better faith. And when you throw in the fact that we're doing this so that people can know Jesus, I can't think of a better thing you could do to grow your faith this upcoming year than to help us relaunch Momentum into Chula Vista. Now, with all of that said, I have a question for you, okay? What got you in trouble as a kid, what used to get you in trouble on a regular basis as a child? Now, if you're like anything like me, there's probably several things that you got in trouble for all of the time. But here's one thing, and actually, you know what? If you're watching this on uh, on Facebook Live or you're watching this, whatever, go ahead and put it in the comments if, if it's okay. What do you, what used to get you in trouble as a kid all the time? Here's one of the things that got me in trouble a lot as a kid. I asked the questions you weren't supposed to ask. See, my dad was a pastor, and sometimes I'd be in, like, Sunday school, or I'd have, like, a, a youth leader, and they'd be, like, you know, they'd be telling me the story, and I'd be, like, well, what about blank? So, for example, I, I remember once in, um, I think, well, I, gosh, it must have been, like, first or second grade, I had this, like, you know, sweethearted lady. lady. She's, she's trying to teach Bible stories to a bunch of little kids, and since my dad's a pastor, I happen to know just a slightly bit more about where the story's going, and she's, like, so, kids, you want to be like Samson and use your strength for God's purposes or something like that. And I was like, uh, excuse me, didn't Samson like sleep with a bunch of women? And you know, and of course the teacher's like, well, uh, oh, uh, 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 you know, or she'd be like, you know, there's there's that time when they're talking about Moses, and she's like, So be like Moses. And I'd be like, Didn't Moses murder a person? You know, and I would get in trouble for asking the parts and asking the questions that you weren't supposed to ask. And if I'm if I'm actually quite honest, I think a lot of us kind of still take that same approach to the Bible that my Sunday school teachers and people like when I was growing up would do. They would, they would pull somebody out of scripture. They would take a look at someone's life and say, hey, here's the things they, good, they did good. Be like them. But the, the, there's a problem with that. There's, there's, a, there's an issue when you just grab people out of the Bible and say, hey, be like that person. First, almost every single person in the Bible has some really jacked up parts of their life, okay? Like you're looking at them and you're like, okay, yeah, Moses did some really good things. He also murdered someone. Um, let's see, Samson did some good things, except for the fact that like you would never want him anyone around, your daughter, your wife, or anybody else. And he murdered a lot of people. Uh, you're like, oh, the Apostle Paul, you know, spread the gospel all over. He murdered some people. Do you see like this theme here? Like, oh, like be like David, because you know, David defeated Goliath. He also, like, had an affair, and his family was complete and total garbage that, I mean, honestly, it's like Game of Thrones level stuff, and oh yeah, once again, he murdered some people. So one problem is that there's not a lot of people in the Bible you can look at and be like, wow, they were actually really good. I should pattern my life after them. The second thing is that when you try to grab people just out of the Bible and try to pattern your life around them, our lives look nothing like their lives. I mean, like you're sitting there filling out expense reports and you're supposed to be like, it's time to set my people free. And so you're looking at the office, okay, how do I do that when I've got a 3.30 meeting? I've got to get these emails out by 5 p.m. And you're like, and if you're not careful, you end up dismissing the whole Bible as irrelevant. Like, yeah, there were some people that did some cool things at some point in time. But honestly, I don't actually see what that has to do with me at all because I'm not a king. God's never, like, no prophet has ever come and told me that I'm going to be king. Uh, I don't find myself in a position where I can do something great, mighty, and awesome. And so I guess the Bible is just some good stories for little kids. I don't know. And so if we're not careful, if we take the Bible and look at it as, here are some heroes, live like them. We're going to end up in bad places because, once again, most of them really aren't all that good if you look at their whole life. Number two, we can't actually do most of the things they did. We're not in the same position. So here's the deal, and here's what we're going to talk about when we're talking about this whole series, the Bible no one told you about. If no one has ever told you this before, let me be the first to actually say this to you. The Bible is not the story of heroes that we try to copy. Now, can you learn some stuff from people in the Bible? Absolutely. If you can't read through the life of Joseph in the Old Testament and learn some stuff, there's something wrong with you. If you can't read through the life of David and learn some stuff, there's probably something wrong with you. Like, if you look through all the characters, there are stuff that you can learn from them. But the point is not that these are heroes that we're trying to copy. That's not the point of the Bible. What is the point of the Bible? The Bible is the story of a hero God who loves broken people. And so when we look at the stories of people in the Bible, the main character is not the person. The main character is God. And those stories are showing us more and more of what kind of God it is that we serve, what kind of God it is that loves us. And that, is, and that, and that actually, when you, when you realize that, that actually makes the Bible so much more readable. And here's what I mean by that. If you read through, because today we're going to look at the story of David. If you read through the story of David once, and you get all the pieces and you understand the basic narrative, then like any other story, you're done. Okay, I've read it once, I, I, I kind of know what happens, it's time to move on. But when you le- read the story of David and you're looking at it as, okay, wait a second, this isn't just a story about David, this is the story about who God is and how I'm learning who God is through the life of David, then you can keep going back to it over and over again because you keep needing reminders of, okay, this is what God is actually like. And when you remember that it's God and not these people that you're looking for, it keeps you from going to two bad places. See, if you keep going to the Bible thinking, these are heroes that I'm supposed to copy, one of two things happens usually. One, you start to feel like a failure because you don't ever do anything famous. You've never set an entire people group free. You've never become destined to be king. And you're like, okay, I guess God just doesn't love me the same way because I'm not... I'm not doing anything that's going to like be written down and exist for hundreds of years. I must be a failure. That's one bad thing that happens. Or the other bad thing is you kind of become a like a, a religious narcissist, and you're like, well, wait a second. God has destined me for greatness. I am supposed to be king. The problem is that there can only be one king in this country. We don't even have kings, so it's like, and if God wants everybody to be king, then who? Who's not a, you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? You start getting into this pattern where you're thinking, like, the whole world is about me, and God is on my side helping me get there. Once again, two bad places to go. You're either a failure or you're a narcissist, and that's not what Scripture should take you to. So what are we going to do? Like, what do you actually do with this? How do you read these stories? Okay, what we're going to do today is we're going to take a little bit of a look at the life of David. And what we're going to realize is that, yes, David actually is an incredibly important person in Scripture. Not because he's someone we're trying to copy, but because of what he shows us about God. Now, if you're like, okay, David, not sure I know a whole lot about him. Most people know him because it's David and. It's either you know him, David and Goliath, the most popular story, or you know him, David and Bathsheba when he slept with his friend's wife and then had his friend murdered to cover it up. Once again, this is why we don't treat them like heroes to copy. But if you look at the life of David, you see that, once again, starts out as a humble shepherd boy. Samuel the prophet comes and says, hey, one day you're going to be king. But no one really knows about it at that time. He goes and he fights Goliath, which is the story we, we know. He spends some years on the run because Saul, the, the current king, is jealous of David. David has a friend who's named Jonathan, who's Saul's son. There's a lot of weird complications from there. David spends years on the run. He forms a group of people around him. He has incredible highs. He has incredible lows. Eventually, he does become king over all of Israel. And eventually, his family is torn apart. Like, And honestly, if you go through it, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's tragic. It's sad. But what we get from the life of David is because David tried his best to always return to God, is that we get in the pages of Scripture some of, up to this point in human history, the clearest examples of what God is actually like. You see, up to this point in time in history, people had, and actually still today, people had a lot of misconceptions about what God was actually like. If you go into the cultures of the time, if you go into the worldview of most of the people at the time, they would have a very incorrect view of God, or gods, or you know, whatever, you know if they were polytheistic or whatever. People would view gods as capricious, or uninterested in humanity, or only interested in humanity when there was something to get from them. Or they would use, they viewed humanity, you know, they thought the gods just used humans as pawns in their little god-like games. But what David gives us in Scripture is up to this point in time, the clearest picture of what God is actually like and what we're gonna to do today is we're gonna do we're gonna look at one of my absolute favorite passages of Scripture it's something that I read probably two to three times a week because it's it's one it's just beautiful it's beautifully written but even more so than that it is a great portrait of what God is actually like and see David wrote this He's kind of getting near the end of his life when he writes this. And he's looking back over all the things that has happened in his life, all the mistakes that he's made, all the ways that he's triumphed, all the things that he's seen God do. And he just starts to write this beautiful passage of Scripture saying, okay, guys, let me tell you about the God I know. Let me tell you about the God that I've come to understand and what he's actually like. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through this and we're going we're to see here's what is true about God that we see in the life of David. So we're going to be in Psalm 103, okay? If you've got a Bible, it's kind of in the middle. If you've got a digital Bible, you know, just find Psalm. Psalm 103, starting just there at verse one, and here's what it says. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. From the beginning, David is just setting the st- stage. He's like, okay, guys, This is the proper response to the God we serve. This is what it means like to interact with him. Just recognize this is a good and great God. Which, okay, honestly, at that time, probably the way most people felt about God. Hey, these gods are great. But let's keep going because, once again, now we're going to start to see how this God is different from the way most people thought about God. It goes on, he says, And forget not all his benefits. What are the benefits of this God? Who forgives all your sins and who heals all your diseases. This was a revolutionary concept at that time. We read it and we might be like, okay, yeah, that sounds like God. At this time, this was painting a picture of God that was significantly different than what most people in the world would have thought about when they thought about gods. See, most people had the idea that diseases came from the gods. If you go into like uh, Greek mythology, I mean, disease literally came out of Pandora's box and it was a punishment from Zeus. Even if you go even back further, diseases were thought to be like evil spirits attacking. But here we have a picture of a God who says, no, 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 no. I'm the one who takes away the disease. I'm the one who forgives your mistakes. He goes on, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desire with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Once again, this is painting a different portrait, because the way people understood gods at that time is that, once again, gods did not care about people who were bad off or in bad places. In fact, most of the the assumption was that the gods had probably put you there. You know, it was like, it wasn't bad luck, it was the gods cursed me, and that's why I'm here. But David says, no, 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 no. God sees you in your despair. He sees you in your pit, And He's filled with love and compassion for you, even at your worst moments. Goes on, and He continues to write, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Once again, the basic assumption at that time, and the basic assumption even in some parts today, is that if you're doing well, it's because God favors you. If you're having a hard time, it's because God is mad at you. But David says, No, 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 no. God sees those people who everyone else has forgotten or even mistreated, and God is on their side. God cares about them. God does not believe that that is the proper way of life, and God is eager to bring back righteousness and justice for those that are suffering. He goes on to say, He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. To go understand that better, watch last week's message. Matt unpacks this beautifully. He goes on, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Now catch this. Slow to anger, abounding in love. Common understanding of the day, gods are quick to anger. They're always getting mad about something, and they're always looking to punish. But what does David say? No, 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 no. The God that I know, the God that I've seen in my life, slow to anger. Full, abounding in love. He goes on. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. In the world that David grew up in, the common understanding was almost like a a karma type situation. Hey, if you mess up, you're going to get punished. If you do good, some good things will probably happen. This idea that the gods would overlook a fault or not punish you more because of it, revolutionary. People did not have that picture yet. David goes on, and this is, I just love this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The basic understanding of the world at that time was that everything was in layers. Like The world was not round according to them. The world was in layers. So when he says as high as the heavens are above the earth, he's saying like, hey, look, this exists on a different plane that we can never reach. We live here on the face of the earth. The heavens are another level above us. We cannot get there. And that is how high his love is for those who fear him. Or the second part, as far as the east is from the west. In in other words, if you keep going east, you never stop going east. If you start going west, you never stop going west. As far as those two are from each other, an infinite amount... That is how far he's removed our transgressions from us, a.k.a. this is not a a world where your mistakes are going to define you forever. This is not a world where the worst thing about you is the only thing about you. David continues to write, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Once again, a father and child relationship was not something the average person would have thought of when they thought of God. Now, they might have they thought they might have felt like a demigod, you know, like okay, this god does have a child, but it's like it's like a Hercules, it's like you know, it's like a human with extraordinary powers. That the idea that the average person could have a, a parental relationship with God is a revolutionary concept. He goes on, and, and this is great, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass; they flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and is gone, and its place remembers it no more. What is this saying? God recognizes that we are human, and he doesn't expect us to be more than what we are. Now, this is not an excuse to say, oh, yeah, you can go screw up and do whatever you want. No, no, he's saying, hey, look, who you are and the capabilities you have are completely okay with God. You don't have to be superhuman. Being human is enough. God loves you as you are. It goes on, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. What is God, what is, what is David saying here? Hey guys, when you're following God, the good things that he puts in your life continue to multiply. They can multiply into your kids. They can multiply into your grandkids. The goodness of God endures. And as you follow, and as you learn to know him, and as you learn to love him, these good things multiply. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. And then David just ends up like, what do you do when you realize that God that you serve is so great? Man, you just simply got to praise him. And that's how David ends this. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word praise the lord all his heavenly hosts you his servants who do his will praise the lord all his works everywhere in his dominion praise the lord oh my soul see david at the end of his life looking back writes these words because he wants people to know this is what god is actually like so what do you and i do with this i mean that's it's an amazing passage of scripture but what do we do with something like this one the first thing that that comes to my mind is it makes me super thankful for Jesus because David did not have Jesus to look to. David was basically setting the stage for Jesus. He's describing what God is like. He's giving people a clearer picture and we get the best and perfect picture of what God is like in Jesus. We are so lucky that we have what David never had, which was Jesus. We get to understand, okay, no, this is exactly what God is like. Number two, what do I do with this? What do we do with this? I keep going back, like I said at the beginning, I keep going back to this because I need reminders all the time of what is God actually like, or what does God actually value? It is so easy in this world to to go at such a pace or to, to have so much on your plate that you forget some of the words that David wrote. You forget about how God says, hey, you're human. You're here for a little while and you're gone, and I'm okay with that. My love for you does not change. Or you, you, you screw up really, really, really badly in life. And you're like, I can never be loved again. And then you go back to this passage and remember, no, no, no. Because if anybody knows about screwing up badly, it's David. David, I think I, I, think I was talking to Matt um, the other day. And he was talking about, you know, David broke every one of the Ten Commandments. But he still got to be called a man after God's own heart. Why? He keeps going back to God. And God's love is bigger than any sin you've ever committed. And I need to hold on to that. And you do too. Finally, hold on to this because we need this hope. We, need, we know people who need this hope. Like I said uh, at the top of this, we are walking out of a pandemic. And one of the things that um, we've been starting to see, like if you read the national reports or seeing what, like, what, what is, what's happening across churches across the country, so many people are, gonna, are, are showing up being like, hey, this past year was awful. And everything that I thought was true is uncertain." And I either lost my job, I lost my home, or I, I had to work 80 hours a week to hold on to everything and now I'm exhausted and I'm, I'm questioning whether or not this is even worth it. I was talking to my wife, my wife's a nurse and she was on a, um, a, a Facebook nurses group and so many of the nurses there were talking about like, I have become numb and my compassion for people is like rock bottom or non-existent after this past year. People need Hope And the single best source of hope is found in the love of Jesus Christ, which is provided to each of us, and people need to know that. But we can't share it if we don't have it ourselves. And so I keep going back to Scripture. I go back to stories like the life of David. I go back to that because I need reminders that if God can love them in all of their junk and all of the mess-ups that they've made, God can love me and God can love those people I'm talking to. I need to embody the hope of Jesus so that I can share the hope of Jesus with others. And that's why I go back to things like the story of David. That's why I keep going back to these scriptures because all of us need hope. And so it is my prayer for you today that you would experience this hope as well. I don't know what you've walked through this past year, but I'm hoping that everything you're looking for, actually, I'm not hoping I know. I'm hoping that you realize Everything that you're looking for can be found in Jesus Christ. And if you simply just give your life to him, if you simply say, I'm accepting the love that I cannot get anywhere else. I'm accepting the love with no strings attached. I'm giving my life to him and I'm following him because it's simply the best possible thing I can do with my life. Then man, I cannot wait to see all the ways that God works in your life. We love you guys. We'll talk to you again next week.